the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, there are other Gospels out there, and there are people who would try and sell you Gospels other than the one of Jesus Christ. We are exploring those false teachers and the true Gospel next on Abounding Grace. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, welcome to today's broadcast. This is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Today, we turn our attention back to Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And over the course of the next week or so, we'll spend time focusing our attention on false teachers and the true gospel they deny and the false gospel they try to purport and why it's important for you and I to understand the truth at the heart of it all. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. So what does it mean to say that the Lord Jesus Christ came to deliver us from these things? Well, first of all, He didn't come to try to. He didn't come to help us to do it ourselves. He came to do it for us because we can't do it for ourselves. He came to actually deliver us from this present evil age, everyone for whom he shed his precious blood. And there is not one person for whom Christ gave himself who shall always be a slave of this present evil age and this fallen mass of humanity in rebellion against God. So what does it mean to be delivered from this evil age by the death of Christ? It means basically three things. It means to be delivered from the curse and the condemnation of God that lies over this entire world. The God of love, the God of grace that the Bible teaches us to believe in is a God of righteousness, a God of justice, and a God of holiness. He does not tolerate any unholiness or any rebellion against Him. So God has pronounced a curse And a condemnation upon this whole age in which we live. Upon the rebellious cultures and individuals in this world. And that curse rests upon them. And the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross that we might be delivered from that curse. From that condemnation of God that rests upon this present evil world. So one of the great things of the gospel is Romans 8.1. It says... There is therefore now no condemnation of any kind whatsoever for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the curse that we deserve, the Lord Jesus Christ bore on himself in our place, delivering us from the curse that rests upon the rest of the whole human race. To be delivered from this present evil age by the death of Christ means to be delivered from the evil corrupting influences and seductions of this world that are always trying to conform us into their mold. 
In other words, to be delivered from this present evil age is to be given freedom from the power and the tyranny of this age that holds so many people down. That tyrannizes so many people and holds them enslaved to their evil appetites, lusts, desires, habits, and attitudes. So that they are slaves to sin and to death. The influences of this age for which we will be held accountable as to how we let them affect us are nevertheless powerful things. You know, the influences of Satan, the influences of the forces of hell. The influences of evil in this life, the seductions and temptations of this organized society built upon a principle of revolt against the living God are powerful things. And they drown many people and drag many people to hell with them because they are too weak to resist and they have no strength in and of themselves. But the Lord Jesus Christ has delivered his elect from the power of corrupting influences and seductions by purchasing for us in his death the Holy Spirit of God and all of his regenerating, sanctifying influences. The way he sets us free by his death is sending the Holy Spirit, which he bought at the price of his blood, into our hearts Changing those hearts so that now the things we once loved in this world, the seductions we love to give into, now we find disgusting and distasteful because he wrote his law upon our hearts and he put the Holy Spirit there and transformed our inner lives and our characters. And we are what we are today by the Spirit of God who was purchased for us by the death of Christ. And by that spirit, purchased by the death of Christ, we are delivered from the influence and tyranny of this world. Then there's another thing that it means to be delivered, and that is to be delivered from the terrible destruction to which this reprobate mankind is doomed to suffer when God does judge it eternally. Because you see, there is a day of judgment coming, beloved. Everyone in the whole world knows that sin deserves to be judged. Everyone knows it, but they suppress it. Just read the second and third chapters of Romans. Everyone knows it. There is a day coming in which the whole human race will stand before an almighty God. Whether someone believes it or not today is pretty irrelevant. Because there is a day coming. When the whole human race will stand before God and have to give an account of their lives. And those who have persisted in their unbelief and the rebellion against God. These reprobate hardened sinners fully in love with themselves shall be destroyed throughout all eternity. To be delivered from this present evil age is to be delivered from that eternal destruction that will come upon all those in the in the human race for whom Christ did not shed his blood to deliver them let me ask you a question are you being delivered from this present evil age or are you a part of it do you love this age's attractions its allurements its seductions Has Christ set you free from this age? Are you still enslaved to it and in love with it? 
by surrendering yourself to Jesus Christ, you can be delivered from it today. Sixth, the gospel is a gospel that is rooted in the sovereign will of Almighty God the Father. Look at our text, verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us out of this present evil age according to the will of God, of our God and Father. Time and again, the emphasis is made from the first books of the Bible to the very last. That the salvation you have, the gospel that announces salvation, all of the details of it are rooted in the sovereign will and good pleasure of Almighty God. Who has ordained everything that comes to pass. One of the things the Bible makes clear is that our deliverance from sin in this present evil age is not according to our own will. The idea today that no one really believes, but they try their best to get themselves to believe, is the myth that you will whatever you will, and it will happen. You know, just visualize world peace, will it, and it will happen but everyone knows that's a lie. The Bible says that it is not man's will, but it is God's will that achieves our rescue. Remember last time we were together, I, I spoke about Arminianism. I said it was an old heresy back in the early 1600s invented by Jacob Arminius. He had a man-centered gospel that detracted from the glory of God and gave man room to take some credit for his own salvation, rather than offering the world a Savior that would actually save helpless sinners, he offered the world a Savior that would have them save themselves. And then, therefore, of course, they could boast a bit for whatever part they had in it. And remember, I said that the whole Protestant world of that day condemned this teaching of Arminianism as heresy and expelled from the ministry, not only Arminius himself, but those who believed it. Yet that very ism that was condemned by the whole Protestant church at its highest spiritual point is now the most prevalent view among Protestants today. Protestantism at its lowest spiritual point. I remind you of that to tell you that this is one of the ways you can identify Arminianism and Arminian preachers. They always put the emphasis in the gospel on man's will rather than on God's will. The big thing to them is what man wills and man decides and man chooses, not on what God wills and what God decides and what God chooses. And yet the emphasis in scripture is totally on what God wills. Not man. I would remind you of John 1, 12 and 13, which says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to be the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who were born of God. You hear people say, if you want to be saved, all you have to do is freely exercise your will. Well, I say to you, beloved, your will is the biggest obstacle in your path to Christ. And until it is bent and it is broken and renewed, you will never come to Christ. God's will 
The will of the gracious, loving God is what saves you. We can't always understand it, but we can always trust it. For the will of God is central. And notice how Paul says it here. He says, our deliverance is not according to the will of man. The will of man is in rebellion against God. Nor does it simply say that our deliverance is according to Christ. Do you see that? Our deliverance is according to the will of Christ. Yes. But Paul is making another point. He says in verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Now, why does he make the point that our salvation is rooted in the will of God the Father? He said it. If he said it was rooted in the will of Christ, that would have been fine. But he doesn't want anyone to misunderstand what he's trying to say, which is the will of Christ and the will of God the Father are in perfect harmony. And he didn't say that you are delivered according to the will of Christ lest you get the impression that the reason the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross was to force forgiveness out of God the Father who was reluctant to forgive you. He really was mad at you. And then Christ, bless his heart, wasn't angry with you. So Jesus died on the cross to do all that he could to get God to love you because God was really reluctant. He was hesitant. He didn't want to. So Jesus died on the cross and God said, okay. No, it says we are delivered by the death of the cross according to the will of God the Father. God, you see, wanted to save us. As much as God the Son wanted to save us. The whole thing of salvation is not only rooted in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ who voluntarily gave up his life on our behalf. But it is also firmly rooted in the will of God the Father who gave up his Son on our behalf. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, God the Father, that he gave up his only begotten Son. Jesus didn't come to earth to win God's love for us. Jesus came to earth because God loved us. Christ was the greatest gift of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Turn to Acts with me now, and I'm going to read to you a couple of passages, beginning in Acts uh, Acts chapter 2. We see that we are delivered by the death of Christ according to the will of God the Father. There's something God wanted to happen because he wanted his people to be saved. So Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. The word of God says, Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested, a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man being delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again. 
The Lord Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men. Put to death by those godless hands who were responsible before God. And they did that only because that was the desire of their hearts. But behind all of that was the predetermination of Almighty God. God wanted the death of Christ to happen from all eternity. He predestined for it to happen because he didn't want you, his chosen people, to go to hell when you die. Oh, my friends, how could anyone not love predestination? Beloved, if there is not such a thing as predestination, we're all going to hell. You may as well just pack up and wait for it. God the Father predetermined his son would die on the cross because he wanted us, his precious children, to be saved. Turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. For truly in this city there were gathered together against the holy servant of Jesus, whom thou did anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever thy hand and thy purpose predestined to occur. Now, all these people were held accountable before God. And you say, Gary, how can you be accountable and responsible for all of your sins, and yet God predetermines everything at the same time? I have no idea. But that's not our subject now. It says here, however confusing it may be, but it is precious as well, that everything that was done to Jesus from his illegal trials, his beating, his suffering, his rejection by the world, his death, it all happened because God planned for it to happen. That Jesus might die on a cross so that we might be delivered from this present evil world. The only gospel there is is a gospel rooted in the sovereign will of Almighty God. <coughs> in Isaiah 53, verse 10, we see one of the clearest passages in all of the Old Testament about the significance of the death of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him. He's talking about his holy son now, the son whom he always loved from all eternity. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering. Our deliverance from sin and the death of Christ was the will of God. It pleased God to crush His Son that we might be saved from our sins. What a glorious thing, beloved. The reason Jesus Christ died on the cross is because God ordained it. He sent His only Son who voluntarily came and gave Himself over to death so that all the hatred between God and His people might be done away with. So that we would no longer live in the filth and the degradation of this world. But be drawn away from it to Jesus Christ. Oh, that's how much he loves us. I pray we never get over this. God gave up Jesus before he would give us up. God sent Jesus to hell. So that we wouldn't go to hell. 
You see how much he wants you to be holy and not wallow in this present evil age. He was willing to give up his son so that we would no longer be covered in our filth. Now, what is the purpose of a doctrine like this? This is pretty strong stuff. People say they don't believe it because it's too intellectual. Well, it's not too intellectual. Or they say they can't understand it. Well, it's really pretty easy to understand. People just don't want to believe it. Because this doctrine does one thing that people in their unbelief cannot tolerate. It beats down human pride and presumption and takes away any ground whatsoever for anyone to take credit for anything good in his or her life. The gospel is a gospel that is rooted in the sovereign will of God. And then seventh and final. The gospel is a gospel that has as its ultimate goal the glory of God. Look back at Galatians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. The ultimate goal of the gospel is the glory of Almighty God. The Judaizers in Paul's day boasted in themselves because they believed they could take some measure of credit for their salvation. But Paul makes it clear that he boasts only in the Lord. He glorifies him. He praises him who has said he does not share his glory with another. Paul takes no credit whatsoever for anything but his own sin. This is a prayer. To whom be the glory forever. And this prayer is answered even to this day. In the lives of all those whom Christ has delivered from this present evil age. And he has placed in their hearts the desire to praise him. A gratitude toward him. A desire to worship him. And to stand in reverence in awe of him. So... How do you know whether Christ has delivered you from this present evil age? You live and you sing to the glory of God because grace always produces praise. If there's not praise in your heart, beloved, but only depression, you have reason to ask whether or not you have ever received the grace of God. If your life is full of darkness and despair and sadness and unhappiness and desperation instead of praise and gratitude and exuberance and joy, then you have reason to ask yourself, have I really been delivered from this present evil age by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I really living for His glory? Is His glory and His praise, His worship preeminent in my mind and in my heart? Can I sing with all those around the throne of God mentioned in the book of Revelation? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive the power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings to Him who loved us and washed us from our sin in His own blood and made us kings and priests. To Christ and His Father be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Does that strike a responsive note in your heart? If it doesn't, beloved, 
you may be dead. You still may be dead in your sins. You may still be a part of this world because the ultimate goal of everything Christ has done for us, according to the will of God, is to stir up your heart to praise the glory and the majesty and the grace of Almighty God. Well, now there are the seven basic tenets of the only gospel there is that can ever do you any good. After looking at them next week, we're going to consider what our attitude must be and should be toward those who modify any of these seven tenets. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.